0: Welcome back to the podcast on today's episode we're going to have Kristen Lundberg she is a actress a stand-up violinist comedian and I'm probably butchering that horribly but she's the one of the funniest people that uh we've had on the podcast to date and uh before we jumped into this fantastic episode we're going to hear a word from today's sponsor So stay tuned. Welcome back to the show. On today's episode, we have a very, very special guest. Go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Uh, I'm Kristen Lundberg. <laughs> Hi. How are you? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing?
0: Doing good. It's nice to meet you.
1: Thanks, man. Thank you. You just uh, you, you messaged me randomly on in Instagram one day. I'm kind of curious to how, how you uh, found out about me, honestly.
0: Uh, I was just scrolling through Instagram and and I saw a uh, sponsored ad for you pop up.
1: Nice, good to know that my my, my money is going to a good place. It's working out, right? I was like, you know, I'm in an Amazon commercial right now. It's an airing, It's airing nationwide, and um, I was like, you know, if they're you know they they pay for for commercials, why don't I pay for a commercial for myself? You know what I mean?
0: Exactly. So what, yeah,
1: that was my thinking so, there. Yeah.
0: Tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into acting and comedy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm from Dayton, Ohio, originally. It's like pretty much nothing to do there. Um, you know, I was kind of like kind of a traumatized kid. You know, my parents, they, they used to fight and, you know, do kind of, a, you know, other other kind of things. I don't want to get too in detail there, but there's a, a little bit of uh, trauma there that I was kind of working through. And comedy was a way for me to work through it um especially at, at a young age it's like you know pretty powerless there's nothing I could do but to you know try to get the adult's jaw to drop and you know make them laugh and uh so it started it started out as like a coping me- mechanism I guess you could say and then um I started doing stand-up in Dayton because they didn't have any other like uh uh I don't know I guess I, I wouldn't say they didn't have anything else but um I didn't have money for everything else, you know, It's like stand up was like the cheapest way to get into comedy. you know it's like the most accessible. You might have to buy a drink at most. Um, you know, it, it's a uh, very uh, low key, you know there's nothing at risk there. Uh, so I started off doing that and then um, gradually went off to Chicago and joined the second city is starting to take more serious acting classes. And then um that's how I, I I just worked my way over to LA. I was wanting to be uh on late night for a while there for because I do stand up with the violin. Um I don't know if you saw any of that on my profile there. But um I've I'm planning to do a special called Philharmaniac um next or I'm sorry this coming holiday season, 2023. Um it'll be my stand-up violin comedy special. It'll be kind of like a Crazy little um, adventure there, so I'm excited to embark on that. And uh, yeah, I guess that's that's how I got started and how I'm where I'm where I am.
0: <laughs> Very cool. So, tell me about your experience with Second City because a lot of really really high level comedians have come out of there.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Second City. It just seemed like uh, to me, you know, from. I'm from Dayton in Cincinnati, you know, I lived in Cincinnati there for a while too. And, um, it was like the mecca of comedy. I felt like it was almost a religious spirit experience, like I had to go there, like I was called. And, um, I went there and it was like a, I felt like the actually doing the stand up was the more of the religious experience and doing the second city was like, uh, very, uh, hectic for me, you know, I, I, you know, I love where, I love teamwork. You know, I love working, you know, I worked at Papa John's for 20, like for 20 years, for seven years. Um, and like, so not saying anything good or bad about Papa John's, by the way, but yeah, just make with that information what you will. Okay. So I had like, uh, worked on teams, but then like when we got into the improv world, um, like working on a team in that, uh, kind of, Facets in that kind of manner was just like totally crazy to me. Like it really took like I had to do a lot of adjusting and a lot of learning um, to be like a functioning part of a improv team there. But you know, once I got the hang of it, I started. You know, I started really enjoying it, and I made really good friends, lifelong friends there and at IO. And um, yeah, it was just a it was a hard experience for this. You know, I. I'm trained in violin. I'm trained in stand up. You know, I just well, I kind of trained myself. So it was like a very, you know, stand up is a very self serving kind of thing. So, yeah, I had to make some adjustments, but what I did, it was it it worked out. It's nice.
0: <laughs> very cool. So, in in your journey to to stand up, um, did you have any any one? comedian or multiple comedians that you may have looked up to that kind of influence your your type of comedy?
1: Yeah, I remember this one comedian I used to listen to when I was a kid. Her name was Edda May. And I remember she always had this she had this joke where she'd be like, Yeah, I look like something I you pull out of a shower drain. And like that kind of thing. I just thought it was like she was so funny. She was a very southern woman, I think uh, Jane Lynch does, like, a caricature of her in, uh, it, maybe it's Hacks, um, or some other stand, or maybe it's Marvelous Miss Maisel, um, where she does, like, kind of a bigger lady. It's, like, a caricature of, like, a stupid, fat Southern woman, right? And Anna Mae was that, she was that woman. And I don't know if Jane Lynch was trying to make fun of her, okay, I don't know if anybody knows what I'm talking about. But anyway, anime was just, like, to me, just, like, a very classic, classic funny. She's the kind of funny that my family was. So it was very, like, accessible to me. I was, like, able to really laugh at like I'm like, ah, oh, she's like my grandma. She's like my mom, you know? She says the same kind of shit. And uh, so I, nobody really knows about her who she is. But she used to do shows at Wiley's in Dayton and at the uh, – what was it? that old? There was an old club in Dayton um, by the Dayton Mall. I forget what they were called, but uh, they were just like, it's just called Jokers or something. I think that's what it was called. And uh, I also really liked a uh, uh, Patton Oswalt. Um, and then I ended up featuring for him a couple of times, which is cool. And other comedy influences. Um, you know, I really love the uh, the riled up energy of a Cat Williams a Cat Williams or a Fluffy. Like, I really love that sta- that stadium energy that, um, you know, where you, you can see that they're sweating and they're really giving a good performance. You can tell it's really taking a toll on their mind and body and soul. Those are the kind of comedians I like. <laughs> Andrew Dye's played yeah,
0: I, I, I <laughs> Sam think Kinnison. that you're... Right? Yeah. Your, your brand of comedy is... is Definitely different than anything that I've seen, which is, it's a good thing because it it makes you stand out, at least in my eyes. anyways. (laughs) Thanks,
1: dude. You know,
0: and I I was watching, um, I think it was a a small clip on your Instagram of of you doing stand-up with the violin. How did that come into play for you?
1: Oh, I don't know. It was like some kind of weird version of like Punk Rock Rebellion. I was experiencing like once I was, I was like deep in the stand up trenches. I was like, I was like, I'm like, I'm like seven years in. I'm like deep in, like, I felt like I was deep in it, you know? And I, I was like, time to switch it up, man. I want to do something crazy. Like, you know, I want to play this, I want to play this violin. And then they're like, well, Henny Youngman already did it. And like this other person already, did it. I'm like, I don't care. You know, they didn't, they didn't do it like I'm about to do it. <laughs> so it was kind of like a punk rock. Cause like, I would, I, I like to play, like, power chords, like, if, I don't make up a whole lot of songs, but when I do, they're, like, it's, like, it's, like, power chords, it's, like, me banging on this violin, like, it's violent, like, it's not, like, I've broken strings before, like, it's not, like, a pretty, pretty princess play, but, so that's why I started it, that's kind of what brought, draw me to it, because I was, like, how, okay, I figured out how, how to do stand-up, how do I break stand-up? Like, how do I, like, I just wanted to make something new and, like, like musical comedy, but not in a sense of, like, how we think of traditional musical comedy. Like, I think of, like, Sound of Music, and I think it is like, you know, kind of, like, there, there's jokes, but, you know, usually the music's better than the jokes. And I was like, no, I want the jokes to be, like, better than music, you know what I mean? Like, I want it to be really funny, like, and, like, wild. And uh, so I started playing like that for a while and I uh, ended up getting like on America's Got Talent. I had this crazy bit where I would be like, I would play uh, some fiddle really fast, like uh Irish reels. And I would be like, okay, so you all saw saw me play and you're probably thinking, man, she could play the fiddle pretty good. But can she play the fiddle with no pants? And then I ripped off my pants and I would play the same thing. And they went wild. <laughs> like they love that shit. But, um, dude, it was just it was just like, it was just the beginning, you know? So that was what brought me into it. And then uh, a year ago I broke my fingers and um, I wasn't able to play for a whole year. And it was like very liberating and cool at first. And I was excited, but then, um, you know, I started getting back into it and I feel currently like a um, a longing to like, show appreciation and gratitude to myself and to the instrument and to the art of stand-up and the art of um, solo violin playing. And, like, so I want to make a special. And so it's, it's very, where I am now with the violin is very different than where I started it. Well, I started it, like, I was an asshole. I was just bringing a violin to be an asshole. Actually, I didn't even bring in a full violin. I brought in a little tiny one. And, like, I thought it was stupider to play a tiny one and it was actually really a lot harder to play a tiny violin. And people like, dude, why don't you just play like a full size violin? Like, (laughs) like, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, I guess I could make it like a real acrobatic, like a real spectacle. If I had like the real violin, you know, the whole, the full size. Um. But yeah, I used to be like really crazy with it. And now I'm like, I'm trying to uh, refine it and put like a more princess Diana Edge onto it and like I don't know, like the whole I'm just kind of putting like a new coat of paint <laughs> on everything that I did, which is fun.
0: Oh but yeah, yeah. And, and like most things, it's got to evolve at some point. And yeah, yeah, you know, I think it's really cool. I mean, it's no, it's not anything I've ever seen. So I mean, just thanks. looking from the outside, it was it was absolutely hilarious.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to upload some more clips here. I, I've been uploading a lot YouTube a lot that, like, I don't know, they get a lot of hits on YouTube, which is exciting, but um, yeah, it's always, it's always great to hear that. You know, there was one point in my life where somebody would say that, come up to me and tell me that after my set, and I would be like, cool, thanks. Like, <laughs> I just, like, wouldn't it care as much. Like, you know, it was like, I don't know, just like after going through my injury and everything, I just appreciate it so much more. So thanks.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> on, on absolutely. Real, real. So, yeah. you know, in in your comedy journey, um, what do you think the, the the hardest part of coming up with material is? Because I would imagine a lot of it you know, has some true life, uh, aspects to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mainly draw from like three aspects of life. Those are like my, my upbringing with my family, um, any experiences I had in orchestra itself. And then like, um, people I live with currently, which is just like my cat right now. But before I I had like roommates and stuff, I would write about them. And, um, like, yeah, just, uh, and, like, boyfriends and stuff. So, like, romantic relationships. So I would, just, like, there, it sounds like kind of a short list, but there's a lot to draw from in those areas if you just keep digging and digging and digging. I mean, I was, when I was really actively writing, um, I would wake up every single day and write for an hour and, like, literally just try to write, like, some kind of joke about something having to do with my family, my current living situation or orchestra or my boyfriend or whoever. And um, like, if I didn't have anything, any jokes it's fine. It was just like a journaling session then, but some, sometimes, you know, you need to stretch before you run the sprint. Right. So like, you know, I would just kind of start off journaling and, you know, seeing whatever comes up and then, you know, 15, 20 minutes in like, okay, let's like try to write a joke. It's like, it's nothing uh, really inspired. There's no like magic to it. There's no like lighting of an incense and putting on music and spraying, you know, like m- m- like magic writer- writing party dust or <laughs> like you know. <laughs> there's no like like so every now and then maybe if I'm in the shower or something it's like oh something kind of pops up into my head. But if it doesn't have to do with family or my orchestra life or my Uh, current living situation it doesn't go in my act it's just kind of like I don't talk about political shit I don't talk about like uh anybody else's sex life I don't try to generalize you know when the 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 happens I don't do any of that like it's all very specifically for my life and also for that I don't worry about people stealing my shit
0: (laughs) exactly yeah. So, you know, um, with some of the things that you've done, do you have any um, places that you've done stand-up that that uh, you've had a very good experience with and that you've enjoyed?
1: Yeah, you know, um, when I was living in Chicago, I really enjoyed uh, playing at the Chicago Laugh Factory. Um, and then I would, you know... That reminds me of the Hollywood Laugh Factory. That you know we don't have that relationship anymore. But like at Chicago Laugh Factory, I could go play there anytime. Um, that's what, that's pretty much it as far as like comedy clubs go. I'm not really like a comedy club girl anymore. I used to try to really get into those, but then I found myself um, really being more at like getting more gigs at like country clubs and places, especially now. That I've really quote unquote cleaned up my act um, since I have put the Princess Diana spin on you know the way that I dress and my mannerisms and like you know everything's like prim and proper like a real like a like a real soloist you know because I grew up around people who played for real for real and they put on a show okay they like they wear beautiful jewelry expensive dresses. So that has gotten me into places like country clubs, secret kind of comedy shows, like stuff, you know, where it's like a little bit more like closed doors, which I actually enjoy uh, more than a traditional comedy club. Um, and they, they pay better too. <laughs> so I found my own weird little Mitch. I, I I like performing down at Huntington Beach. There's this place uh, I perform at a tiki bar. It's just called the Tiki Bar. And, um, it's, uh, it's like a secret, I don't know why they call it a secret comedy show. It's like, they have an Eventbrite page. Tickets are like $75. Um, I think that might include two drinks or something. And it's, uh, coming up this Thursday. I don't know when this podcast is released, but, um... Yeah, so I like performing there, and then I recently performed at this place called the Bob Baker Marionette Theater. That place was amazing. I might shoot my special there. Yeah.
0: There you go. That's that. See that? That's really cool because it's it's one of those things that, from an outsider's perspective, you don't really see what goes on to to make a, a set and to set up. You know ways to do things.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean I don't know. Yeah, definitely it's it's hard to set up the, the violent stuff. There's like a lot of hand-eye or er, hand-mouth coordination. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's not like I don't know, strumming the guitar and singing at the same time is probably hard too. I don't I don't really know, but yeah. It's kind of like that.
0: And see, you know, with you doing something that is setting you apart from everyone, I think is, you know, and I I think I've already said it, but I think that's a really cool thing. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where I feel like to be different is to be better. And and you're right with the aspect of nobody can take your material either, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I really like that. Uh, like, I feel like you and I share a similar outlook It's like, I, Oh, well, I, I haven't always believed this, but I've come to believe that being different is better than being better because I feel like you can have the best punchlines and you can have the best delivery and you can have, you can be the best dressed and, um, you know, have the most unique, whatever. But if, uh, everybody else is really, really good, has really great punchlines, you know, you just kind of fall into the background, but you know, when you have something that's like really different, it's like, you know, I, okay, fine, I might not have the best punchlines or whatever, who who cares, maybe I'm not the best dressed, but I definitely have the weird, like, you know, you will never see no shit like this ever in your life.
0: <laughs> right? And it, it make, you make people remember you.
1: Because yeah. they don't
0: see anything like that uh, on a, you know, not even a semi-regular basis.
1: Well, I mean, there's people go, oh, there's Henry Youngman, and then there's this, there's this other violin comedian in New York, and then they go, oh, did you see that one violin comedian on Late Night? I guess there was this one girl who who writes for Stephen Colbert, and then she also plays the violin. You came up and did like a half-assed job of playing a violin to do a stand-up at the same time. I'm like, yeah, I've seen it. I'm unfazed. I don't... <laughs> no offense. Sorry to her. I I mean, her tennis shoes were so cute. Everything else about, about her is really cool. It's just like, ah, you know, I want to show people what it's like to really integrate the two and not just, like, say a punchline and then play something and then say a punchline and then play something. It's like, no, we're not just putting... You know, we're not just, we're not putting a pack of uncooked noodles next to a pack of uncooked cheese and calling it mac and cheese. We're not doing that on the Kristen Lumberg edition. (laughs) Okay. Right. You're getting the, you're getting the fully baked mac and cheese casserole blended together with six cheeses. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I also saw that you did a Mountain Dew commercial. You got to tell me about that.
1: Oh yeah. Oh my God. Worst food poisoning of my life on that set. Oh, my God. I was holding in the squirts all day that day. I was shooting for two days. Okay, we shot. First day, everything was fine. It's like little basic stuff for me. Then my dad came into town. He took me out to dinner. And I got food poisoning at the restaurant we were at. So I had to wake up the next day, go to the Mountain Dew set. And, you know, I was flying through the air. I did my own stunts. I was flying through the air, tucking my turds all the while, 450 frames per second or however many it is. It was a lot, <laughs> and uh, it was like 100 degrees. <laughs> and it was a, it was like one of those days where it was the hardest day, but also the best day. Like, you know, it was it was a hard day, but it was a good day. Like, spiritually and mentally, it was a good day. I was just having a bad body that day. <laughs> but there were some things where I was like, Whew, like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> there were some times like that. Um, Yeah, my dad was on set and everything. It was cool. My dad got to see me um, in my element. Um, before that, I don't think he really understood, like, uh, how much, uh, work goes into a production, I don't know, I don't know if anybody really fully understands Till you get there, it's, like, you see, like, this is dangerous, like, there's, like, a bunch of really heavy metal shit everywhere, and people are moving around fast, and, like, you know, you could get clocked in the head with something, you know, like, there's all kinds of, like, it's, like, a military operation, and my dad works at the uh military, well he works at Wright Patterson Air Force Base in the uh in Dayton, Ohio. So he uh he works there on a military base. So he was all about, you know, discipline, making sure I get a good job has health care and all that, yada yada. And I don't know, he it wasn't until he showed up on that set where he just kinda like, you know, took like step back from hounding me over, you know, what I do with my life. <laughs> I guess he saw like oh, it's not no bullshit. Like, (laughs) it's like a operation. It's like a sting operation, yo. Um, Right? Yeah. And they, yeah. So, so, yeah, Mountain Dew was fun. I, you know, they, I will say this, like, sometimes these commercials, they like to sneak, they like to sneak you. They'll sneak you. They snuck me a little bit, okay? Like, um, I was just paid to be an on-camera principal. They're paying everybody all the on-camera people the same rate. There were no extras. Um well, they decided to choose me to like be pretty much like the star of the commercial. You know, but I didn't get like a pay bump, you know what I'm saying? Like it, I'm jumping over a wall. I'm jumping on a mat and they got three angles of each of those like shots. Like a lot of the shooting time was spent on my coverage. And then they shot some other people doing cool shit too, but they didn't use those in the in the cut. They used the one guy breaking through a glass wall. They used the guy like uh they used the guy for like a split second like leaving his hot dogs on the grill to go get the Mountain Dew. But like there was two other ones that they shot that they didn't get um they didn't get any coverage in the commercial. Um, but that's just like I don't know. It's just the way it goes. And I'm, I don't know. I think it's kind of (laughs) weird, like, that they could just decide, like, oh, yeah, you know, they're going to kind of be sneaky about it. But, like, oh, yeah, Kristen, by the way, you're like the star. Like, you're, you're the commercial. Like, this is like kind of all about this jump and everything, but they're not going to give you a pay bump or anything, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that is kind of, that is kind of (laughs) shady.
1: Yeah, it's a little sneaky. It's a little sneaky, I think, but I'm like, Man, I just—I guess I—I should have talked. I don't know. I don't know what you do. What I don't know what you do. You know, because you don't know until they finally edit it. You don't know how much of you they're gonna use. Because I've been in that other position before, where they shot me doing cool stuff and I didn't make the cut. And so I definitely know that feeling. And like, you never know what they're gonna do. And uh, it's like, well, they already shot it and they already paid me. I'm grateful. I'm just grateful to be like you know, center of the attention, you know, like, yeah, a couple of the other actors felt a little salty, but I do, I do feel, I do feel bad, but I, you know, whatever. It's not like I got paid any more than them. So.
0: Yeah. And you didn't make the final decision. Right. (laughs) So what, what is coming up next other than the special you're working on?
1: Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I'm filming uh, something, like, really weird project with a couple of art school friends uh, here in a couple of weeks. Um, my art school friends, they're from Cincinnati. We all went to the Art Academy of Cincinnati, and we worked on... Um, we never collaborated together, but uh, randomly one of them messaged me uh, a few weeks ago and wanted to work on a project. So, I'm excited about that. Um, I... I don't know. I'm look, uh, currently looking for a new theatrical agent. So that's kind of like the big thing on my plate right now. I am. I just fired my team. <laughs> I, I kind of uh, didn't want to do that. Obviously I don't didn't want to do that. I've worked very hard to find a team. Um, but uh, I wasn't, I was just wanting to get more and better opportunities than I was getting, you know, I feel like right now for as far as theatrical auditions and auditions for film and TV go, um, I'm being slept on quote unquote. Like <laughs> I don't know. Like I like my face is all over national TV during every football game. You know, I'm hosted all these film festivals. I'm out here. I take classes, you know, like working on my craft. And I can't, you know, I'm just trying, I'm still trying to get some, you know, very basic, um, you know, guest star auditions. And just getting the auditions is a pain in the half. But um, I've decided, you know, until I find my new team, I'm going to get my own auditions. And then I'm not going to have, you know, kind of like dead weight sitting there hoping like, oh, she'll figure it out herself. And then we'll just kind of mooch on like, no. (laughs) That's not how it's going to go. I'm going to cut that weight. I'm going to figure it out myself. And I'm going to hire someone else who can further it. (laughs) But um, yeah, it was kind of a kind of a liberating feeling. Uh, My friend said that I had integrity because I think a lot of people would um, try to find another team while they currently had a team. Instead of, you know, and to me, that's kind of like cheating on a boyfriend, you know, or something. It's like, you don't go looking for another boyfriend while you still have a boyfriend. You know what I mean? Like, that's not cool. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> or girlfriend, whatever. Um. So I'm like, yeah, I better just cut them off first. And then I'll just uh, have faith in the universe and everything will fall in its place. Uh, Which was incredibly hard for me to do because I... To, like, just make all the moves, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm very aggressive in finding uh, what I want, and um, to, and I really want auditions, and to let go of people that, you know, kind of were getting me auditions was really hard, but they just weren't the right ones. <laughs>
0: right, and you gotta, at the end, you gotta do what's best for you, and, and, and you know, yeah. things happen as they do, and Uh, it's, it's one of those things where you just, you know, sometimes you just got to take a leap and and see where you land.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there is other, there is other little micro things I'm not going to talk about, but it was something that I was thinking about for a long time. It's like pretty calculated, but still just doesn't, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like, uh, it doesn't feel good, but you know, change doesn't always feel good. So who cares?
0: Exactly. And you (laughs) never know what's around the corner.
1: Yeah, that's, it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I'm not gonna let the blessings of yesterday get in the way of the miracles of tomorrow. Okay, there's more coming. There's exactly
0: more coming. <laughs> so I know I found you on Instagram and you mentioned your YouTube channel. Where can yeah. our listeners find you?
1: Yeah, yeah, find me on my uh, ch- come check out my website, uh, Kristen's It's uh, K R I S T E N. And, um, or KristenLundberg.com. They both go to the same place. And then, um, check out my Instagram, KristenLundbergComedy. Um, or if you want to check out my, if you want to keep tabs on my special where that's headed, I have another Instagram called Philharmaniac. And that is the name of my special. It's also where I'm uploading a lot of like violin clips and, um, yeah, I think that's about it. YouTube. I would love more YouTube subs. Yes. I love YouTube.
0: <laughs> I was Definitely. saying, you,
1: YouTube is probably my favorite of the social media because of their uh, long-form content deep dives. And, in, I mean, there's just always something good. Vice, Vice documentaries, all that kind of stuff. I love that kind of stuff on YouTube.
0: <laughs> exactly. And that's yeah. where you'll find this episode is on our YouTube channel.
1: Yes, I'm excited.
0: So I will definitely tag you in that for sure.
1: Hell yeah. Hell yeah.
0: Well, listen, I appreciate you taking time out of your uh, busy schedule to chat with me. It's been a real Thanks, pleasure man. to get to know you and uh, kind of hear what you're about.
1: Yeah, man. Thank you. I Hey, and it's really great to know that one of my, my freaking Instagram ads started working, man. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly the kind of stuff I want, though. I'm, I'm like... You know, I love collaborating. The whole idea is to get people to find other collaborators and other creators to collaborate with. That was at the heart and soul of my pushing out promotions. It's like, yeah, I want likes and follows. That's, that's cool too. But honestly, at the heart, I love collaborating and talk and sitting down and talking with people about the nitty gritty. So thank you for having me on.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And I hope yeah. you have a good rest of the afternoon. And, you know, it looks like things are going well and good things are to come, hopefully. Thanks, brother. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: All right. Well, I appreciate it.